Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Like the naked homeless prophet wearing nothing but a sandwich board that reads, The end is nigh. I am warning you, everyone, that Santa is coming. Seriously, would you let a giant man with a bag full of God knows what crawl into your house whilst you're sleeping on any other day of the year? No. And yet this guy comes sneaking in, spreading his good cheer like snowy ectoplasm, leaving presents like a giant basement rat and stealing the affection of our world's children. He steals the affection this monster must be stopped and so we've got three new soldiers for the fight who've joined in with the Hawk and Cleaver officers uh, Owen Bailey Byrne this guy can roast a man like no other with cutting jokes but also with flamethrowers I think he got one from Elon Musk Toby Miller Toby Miller came to us in a dream and then kicked down the door of our minds and into our reality he is the dream warrior and legend has it he can give a person a nightmare from up to a mile away Jeff Tsunos, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Jeff, is it? Only because Jeff is the most deadly Jeff on the planet. Able to utilise anything as a deadly weapon, Jeff has taken out people with tissue paper, teddy bears, and even the abstract concept of mathematics. He's that deadly. If you two would like to hold up with us in the fight against that good cheer-spreading lunatic known as Santa Claus, head to patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. We've just published a Patreon-exclusive episode called Legend, written by series favourite Michael David Wilson. You can only listen to that by going to patreon.com forward slash Hawk and Cleaver and pledging from as little as a dollar a month. So, without further ado, today's episode is 
The Solstice, written by Kev Harrison and narrated by Justin Fife. Why do the wolves keep howling? said Pedro, pulling the blanket up to cover most of his face. It's how they communicate. Nothing out of the ordinary. I lied. But we're safe here? In the house, aren't we? Of course we are, son. Now, you really best get some sleep. We've work to do in the morning. I ruffled the boy's hair and made my way downstairs. The fire crackled in the hearth, its harsh light deepening the lines on Capriella's face. When do you plan on telling him the truth, Miguel? He's barely twelve years old, my love. That won't protect him, come solstice. Besides, he's many things, our boy. Stupid isn't one of them. He senses it. That's why he has so many questions. I lowered myself onto a chair and rubbed my numb fingers in front of the flames. I'll take him to see the craftsman tomorrow. Have his mask made. The words tasted of death in my mouth. Gabriella knelt before me on the rug, clasping my hand in her own. He'll be okay, Miguel. He has to be. Fog hung low over the mountains at dawn. I ate with the boy, a simple breakfast of warm milk and buttered bread, then left the dishes in the basin for Gabriella. Pedro pulled on his boots and wrapped a scarf twice around his neck and chin. Firewood today, Papa? Not today, boy. We are going to the other side of the mountain, collecting more livestock. You'll see when we get there. I took a cloth bag from where it hung, and half filled it with the handkerchief wrapped savory treats Gabriella had prepared for us, then added a water skin to fill at the well on our way out. Clouds loomed low overhead, pregnant with their cargo of snow, threatening to blanket the mountainside. Shadows neither human nor beast flitted along the mountain's paths while continuing along the foothills. I hoped that Pedro's eyes were not as keen as mine. We stopped at an inn, some eleven miles out of the village, taking a moment to warm ourselves before the fire and to sup some chicken broth. Are we going north today because of the solstice, Papa? Pedro said between slurps. I wiped my beard on the sleeve of my woolen coat. What makes you say that? Pedro shrugged. Grandpa used to tell me about the solstice when he was a boy, when he had to see our dark spirits with Uncle Sergio and their two friends. I avoided my son's eyes, waved to the innkeeper for some fire water. You told me it was all a fairy tale. Pedro, listen, we are going to see the craftsman today, aren't we? His voice was firm, unwavering. I looked into my son's eyes at that moment and saw a determination beyond his years. I won't lie to you. Today, you'll be measured for your mask. Pedro stared into the fire. Will I have to face them alone? There are no other boys your generation, son. Daylight was already dimming when we reached the craftsman's cottage. I rapped on the door and waited. Who's there? Came a gruff voice, muffled by the heavy oak portal. It's Miguel, from Barcel, with my firstborn. It's time for him to have his mask. The old lock turned and the door creaked open, revealing a single room, dimly lit with a pair of church candles. The craftsman beckoned us inside with heavy, calloused hands and directed Pedro to a seat beside a workbench littered with tools and timber offcuts. The walls of the small cottage were adorned with the heads of deer, each crowned with regal antlers, the pupils of their dead eyes, the deep black of the void. The craftsman took a puff from his pipe 
and leaned in towards Pedro. Close your eyes, boy, he said, then took a curved piece of unfinished wood and held it in front of the boy's face. He gripped his knife and made notches near the point of his chin and at either side. After inspecting his work, he made a satisfied nod and placed it gently on the table. What form will my mask take, sir? said Pedro, eyes still scrunched shut. That isn't for me to decide, the craftsman said, nor is it for you. It's already determined. How? He asks a lot of questions, doesn't he, Miguel? I smiled. Curious as a wildcat, this one. Are there no other boys of his age in Barcel? The craftsman asked. There are only four girls my age. Maybe they could come for masks. Pedro eyed us both as he spoke. The craftsman roared with laughter. Come now, enough of such fanciful ideas. Eyes closed. He closed his own eyes and clasped his hands together in his lap. I want you to focus on your nightmares, on the wild beasts that stalk the forests and mountain passes, the ones that fill you with nothing but mortal dread. Can you do that for me? Pedro drew a sharp breath and balled his hands into fists. He was quiet for a moment before beginning to tremble. I stood, but the craftsman held up his hand, stilling me. Unable to sit back down, I watched as Pedro's expression twisted in pain. His torso shook, growing in violence until his eyes burst open and he screamed. I ran to him and wrapped my arms around him. It's okay, boy. It's okay. It isn't real. The craftsman backed away and stood before the fire. I have enough. I'll have the mask sent down to Barcel before the day of solstice. I held Pedro until his breathing calmed and thanked the craftsman. The sun was already nestling on the shoulder of the mountain as we left the craftsman's cottage. There was no time to stop at the inn on the return journey. We were to arrive home by nightfall. Our quickened pace labored my breath and brought soreness to my feet. I considered how much worse it must have been for Pedro, but a glance up at the tree line as we crossed the stream at Corbro revealed how brave the spirit creatures had become. Their opaque angular forms stared out at us, only the glow of their eyes giving them away against the brush. I knew they were powerless to strike out until solstice, but something inside me warned me not to test them. As feathery flakes of snow began to fall, we drove onward. Hours later, as the cottage came into view, my throat was parched. While tears streamed from my eyes, in part from joy at reaching our safe haven, but also owing to the fury of the December winds whipping across the range. Well? asked Gabriella as we approached the old stone building. The craftsman has what he needs, I said. Pedro relived his nightmares. He was courageous, especially for one so young. Gabriella beckoned us inside, where the heavy scent of goat stew emanated from a cauldron on the hearth. She scooped generous helpings into three earthenware bowls and brought them to the table, dividing a heel of old bread into three pieces. Had any others been to see him ahead of the solstice? She tried to make the question seem inconsequential, but the gravity of it escaped none of us. I shook my head. No, Pedro is the only one. I placed my hand on the boy's shoulder. Anyway, the solstice is still two days away, and this is delicious. Thank you, my love. Well, it's cold out there. It was a long hike today, and Pedro needs his strength. I did my best to ignore the quiver of Pedro's arm at those words. The morning of the solstice was calm. Not even the faintest breeze whispered down from the mountains. Sunlight dared to peek through the clouds, 
thawing the frozen ground around the village, but we all knew its passage would be brief. We set about our day-to-day tasks after breakfast, no one wanting to talk about what was to come after dusk. It was just as we broke for lunch that a young man on horse galloped into Barcel. He lowered himself from his steed and approached the pen where I was mucking out the goats. Miguel, he said, fiddling with the straps of a leather shoulder bag. I nodded. Pedro, come here for a moment, I called. The boy approached me from the chicken coop, his basket half filled with eggs. The young man pulled a mask from the bag. It was lupine in form, its fur and ears jagged, teeth like needles dotted with what might have been real blood. Pedro almost dropped the egg basket. Try it on then, I said, and gave him a gentle shove. He placed the basket on the ground and grasped the mask in his two hands, feeling the firmness of the snout, the pointed alert ears. He unfastened the leather strap on the back of the mask and placed it over his face. He held it there and turned to me. As sure as the sun will rise in the morning, I said, the dark spirits will be warded off by the terrifying visage. I turned to the young man. Please, pass on our thanks to the craftsman. The young man said he would, and took off on his horse. I looked once more upon my boy in the mask. His gray eyes twitched in the slits the craftsman had cut into the mask. I told myself it was confidence rather than fear. At dusk, I lit the pyres at the village boundary with the other men, while the women constructed the bonfire at the center. As the last golden remnants of daylight disappeared behind the western peaks, I set my torch to the bonfire while Gabriela led Pedro to stand in front of me. As the flames grew, casting their warm glow of gold onto him, I went to him, placed my arm around him. What do I have to do now, Papa? Are there any words I have to say or anything? All you have to do is wait. They will already be on their way. Pedro shivered. And when they get here, what do I do then? You stand your ground. The mask will scare them back to the place where they come from. A cloud of breath poured from behind his mask as he sighed. Can you stay with me, Papa? I can't. It isn't how the ritual works. It must be a boy. Unmarried, firstborn. You're the only one in the village, Pedro, but you can do it. You'll save us all. Wolves howled from their vantage point on the crest of a hill. I caught sight of the first flicker of movement. Eyes like rubies glinted in the distance against a mass of shadow. They were coming. I squeezed my son's arm and dashed into the cottage. As the spirits drew closer, a rumble grew. The clamor, the first of footsteps. Then their maddening, guttural voices rose with every moment. I watched from the window while Pedro stood motionless, resilient against the impossible fear he doubtless felt, his gloved hands clenching into fists. The shade swept past the threshold of the pyres, the flames dancing in the wind they created. They were many, but moved as one, only their eyes and jagged edges differentiating individuals from the group. They burst towards Pedro, then froze. The rumbling stopped. Gabriela pressed her face to my chest, unable to watch what was about to unfold. The wolves howled a second time, and the spirits lunged at Pedro, casting him to the cold earth and running over him in all directions. I heard a scream over the roaring dark things and knew that it had not been enough. This solstice would be the last for our family and the village. I pulled the ragged curtain across the window, unwilling to watch as they overcame my only son. Then the sounds died. I stopped still, my fingers still gripping the torn fabric. I listened for a moment. Footsteps thumped at the earth in front of the cottage. I dared to look outside. 
A second child stood over the prone Pedro, wearing the mask of an owl. The shadows and an arc were drawing back. Red eyes narrowed, snarling and hissing. The child reached out to my son, offered him a slender hand. He took it, rose to his feet. He calmly dusted himself down then, his hand clasped in that of the other masked child. He stepped forward with determination. The shadows fell back, their hissing now a sickening, low groan. The children increased their pace, their hands still joined, breaking into a jog, then a run. They sprinted at the retreating spirits, finally causing them to dissolve into the night air. I sprinted from the house, Gabriela close behind me, and took Pedro into my arms. I peeled his mask away. His face was red with scratches, claws and teeth that had dug into his flesh, leaving what would likely remain as scars. The child in the owl mask moved closer, examining my boy's wounded features. My father should have let me come sooner, it said, in a small female voice. It unfastened the owl mask, revealing the oval-shaped face and long auburn hair of the dairy farmer's daughter. My face must have given away my disbelief. I'm firstborn. The tradition says nothing about a boy, she said. This was my grandfather's. She held up the mask, the firelight licking at the bright white of its painted plumage. Thank you, I said, and the children embraced. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. The Solstice was written by Kev Harrison, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Carl Hughes, and muted by Andrew K.N. and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. Kev Harrison is a writer of dark fiction, living in Lisbon, Portugal. His latest release, Cinders of a Blind Man Who Could See, is available now, and his website, www.kevharrisonfiction.com, is a place for all the latest news on his writing. Again, like the naked homeless prophet wearing nothing but a sandwich board that reads the end is nigh, I, myself, am warning you, everyone, that Santa is coming. Seriously, would you let a giant man with a bag full of God knows what crawl into your house whilst you're sleeping? Of course not. And yet this guy comes sneaking in, spreading his good cheer like snowy ectoplasm, leaving his, quotation marks, presence, and stealing the affection of our world's children. The monster must be stopped, and so we've got three new soldiers for the fight. Owen Bailey Byrne, the guy can roast the man like no other, with cutting jokes, but also with flamethrowers. You got one from Elon Musk, uh, who was selling them recently, seriously. Toby Miller. Toby Miller came to us in a dream and then kicked down the door of our minds into our reality. He is the dream warrior and can give a person a nightmare from up to a mile away. Jeff Tsunos is the most deadly Jeff on the planet. He's able to utilize anything as a deadly weapon. Jeff has taken out people with tissue paper, teddy bears and even the abstract concept of mathematics he is that deadly so if you too would like to hold up with us in the fight against the good cheer spreading lunatic known as Santa Claus head to patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver and pledge from as little as a dollar a month they you'll be able to listen to our latest Patreon exclusive episode called Legend written by series favourite Michael David Wilson until next time 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.